Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am here today joined with my good friend, Joseph Carter-Brown, which I'm going to call him Joe, because that's how I met him, was Joe. And I actually met Joe through Design Recharge. And today is a really special day, which I never tell what episode it is, because I can't ever keep up. But today is 200th episode, the 200th episode. And I'm super pumped about it, because... Um, I get to spend it with somebody who I met via Design Recharge, which I think that's why I started it, was to connect with other designers. And Joe and I have actually met in person, too. So last May, we were both going to the AIGA uh, Leadership Conference. He is vice president at the Baltimore chapter. Go AIGA, right? <laughs> yep. Well, incoming president now. So June, I'll be taking over the, the president spot. And doesn't Joe have like the Sam Elliott kind of guy from the unit all state kind of voice? Does couldn't you just like listen to him and go to sleep because it's so anyway? <laughs> um, but I think he has a great voice. But he also has a great story. So at um, <laughs> at um, the AIGA conference, so I saw him. I knew who he was because his picture looks like his profile. I mean, he looks his profile picture looks like him. So I knew who he was, and I already felt like I knew him because he'd come to so many. And then we sat down, and he's actually the reason you all get a add to your Google Calendar. So Joe's made um, a ton of difference to me and how I just run Design Recharge, and that was one of the best. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that before, but it was really good. So without further ado, we didn't come, but I sure am excited to talk about that it's my 200th episode, but we didn't really come to talk about that. We come, came to listen to Joe. And I just wanna thank you all for coming and just being here and feedback and emails that I get. It really makes a difference. So let's move on to Joe. So. All right, Joe, so give us a little bit of your background, because I know this is he has amazing background. So give us a little bit of your background and where your love for design kind of came in. All right. Uh, well, before I say that, again, congrats on the, the 200th show, um, though I am, I'm upset that I didn't get balloons and streamers. Uh, but I won't, I'll let this slide this time. Um, Next 200. At 400, <laughs> I'll right. have the balloons. Um. So my background in design, oh, man, I, I think it started, I think really my appreciation for design and, and the arts particularly uh, started when I was a kid and um, I was in school, I'm from Baltimore and I went to uh, the school, is Mount Royal Elementary Middle School and I was in third, second or third grade and Micah is right across the street from that school. So students from Micah used to come in and they would do little art projects with us. And so tell people what Micah is just in case oh, somebody doesn't know. Yeah. So Micah is the uh, Maryland Institute and uh, college of, of the arts. I forget what the exact, so it's a design school is very uh, well known design school. I think it might be the first arts school or design school. Like it was like from the 1800s. It's a really good uh, design school, art school, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's I guess best way to say it is it's. Uh, I'm really long winded, so yeah. There you go. In Twitter form, it's an awesome art school. <laughs> so, so you you would in second third grade, these students from Micah would come yeah. to your elementary school to do some projects. Yeah, they would just come in and you know teach us how to draw or 
do little arts and crafts projects. I used to get them to help me draw Ninja Turtles and Bart Simpson characters and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that was really like where it started uh, because I remember from that point, you know, my family moved to Atlanta not too far uh, after that. So I didn't get to experience that for too long, but I always enjoyed it. And it was always something that uh, took me back to drawing or uh, doodling um, and, and just those types of things. Um, and then my family is, is sort of, I guess you could say artsy. Uh, my dad was a musician, a singer songwriter, and he did a lot of, uh, poster mm -hmm. design and, and activism and, and all of those types of things. So anytime he was working on some sort of campaign or some sort of project, uh, he was always, you know, laying something out or doing like cutting you know, Xeroxing and cutting and, and doing that type of stuff. Uh, so I'd be around him doing that. I didn't really take as much an interest initially in it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was something that just sort of grew on me. Um, and then I think uh, really when I, I, I think I fell in love with design was honestly through Apple. Like I, I would say uh, when I remember when I first saw the, the new of the new IMAX, the, 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 uh, the different colors and all. Oh, right. Uh, I forget how old I was, but that was just like, what is, you know, what is that? I didn't know a computer could you know, look like that. And then I just started researching. It was like the original, more. right? iMac yeah, where it was yeah. all contained in one thing, right. which is not so new now, but it was right. really different then. And it was weird colors and they kind of were bubbly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was just, it was really funky looking stuff. And and then they had the, I uh, think, different campaign that was happening at the same time. And I always thought that was neat. I always, like, I, I would always take those campaigns and the people they mentioned, I would, like, use them and, and learn about those people. And, um, and I just loved how clean everything they did was. And, and, and I started to, to learn, yeah, uh, Jason, the gum, gumdrop models. Um, so, yeah, you know, and, and I think that's, again, where my love of, of design came from so so then um you uh you did have like apple actually ex not just um influence that your design did you get one of those bubble models i did i did not the original one i eventually got one of the uh it was i think my i think it was one of the graphite models so it was uh it was one of the later models but it was still pretty awesome well, that, that just sort of turned into like a love of all things Apple, like just learning as much as I could about them, and and, um, and yeah. So, so then you also um, your first job was with at the Apple Store, so it was <laughs> like um, it really influenced you, and you knew you wanted to be a part of that. But you were kind of doing some design on your own. Um, you kind of take us through that part. And when when did you move back to Baltimore? How long did you stay in Atlanta? Oh, well, I was in Atlanta from it was like nine or 10 until I was about 22, 23. Uh, so I really grew up in, in Atlanta, I guess you could say. Uh, Where? Everywhere, really. Um, Sandy Springs was, I think, our first landing. I went spot. to Dunwoody High School. Oh, really? Yeah, we <laughs> didn't even awesome. talk about this. I know. <laughs> we didn't. Um, yeah, so Sandy Springs, uh, Riverdale, like so many different areas of Atlanta. I feel like I've, I feel like I've lived everywhere in Atlanta, in, in the Atlanta area. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I guess uh, before even starting at the Apple Store, the way I, I got into computers in general uh, was sort of a it was sort of a roundabout way. I wanted to get into journalism, and um, uh, I was I was very interested. I wanted to do sports journalism, and um, I remember you know being a kid and I wrote, you know, we had an old windows machine and we had a publisher on it. So I actually designed a newsletter. It was like a four, five page newsletter fold out thing um, with, you know, I put graphics in and I, I wrote up all the articles. I did about four or five different articles about different players, mm-hmm. about different things that were going on. I was really proud of it. It was, you know, again, my first foray into something that I, I, I wanted to do. Um, and my dad was really proud of it. He would show it to people and he, um, he handed a few out to friends, I believe. And I went to go print another one. And I remember going to open the file up in uh, publisher and half the file opens and then it just stops. It freezes up. And I was like, okay. And I try again. It keeps freezing up. And I'm like, oh no. So I, my mom worked at Kinko's and this was when they had like a design staff mm-hmm. and computer uh, services crew. Uh, so I knew a lot of the guys there and I, I went and I asked them, like, well, what's this mean? And they're like, well, I think that means your file is corrupted. So they're giving me all these things. And now I'm like, the, and I think this is where the researcher turned, you know, part of me turned on where it was like, I started trying to figure out how it happened. And then I was like, well, I don't want this to happen again. You know? So I, I started <laughs> learning everything I could about computers, um, whether it was how to build them, how to use them, how to do whatever. Like, so really it wasn't necessarily like getting into design for me. It was just, how do I know everything about this thing? So, so that this doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. So that this thing doesn't happen again. And, um, yeah, so it was just sort of, a uh, it was sort of a roundabout way in, in being a, uh, a, a homeschool kid at the time. I was, uh, I usually would end up at Kinko's with my mom doing work and stuff. And they had, uh, so know, like, like how old were you if you're so you said you were homeschooled like from what grade to what grade and then you would go and you would because you were a good researcher you would go and sit with the design team people right and you would learn a ton and get all the tutorials right it was yeah um i was 14 I hope that's not too loud. Can you hear everybody in this house? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Fabio wants to know where you are in Miami. Uh, Pembroke Pines. He's also in Miami. I got you. Yeah, that's like my, my wife's entire family in the house right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, so uh, I, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, Sorry, so 14, yeah. and so you would go to yeah, Kinko's with your mom, and you started this research which is not normal for a 14 year old to try to solve problems like that i think right yeah, I, I guess so um i guess i don't I know mean, in a good <laughs> way right but it was yeah, like yeah. not a not yeah, a no, bad I mean, at all <laughs> right no yeah it was just one of those things but you know hanging out there and um they had uh they had like training like photoshop training on a disc and so I was like, well, okay, cool. I'm going to learn how to use Photoshop now. And I did these training, t- uh, these tutorials on Photoshop. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, well, I'm going to you know, learn Illustrator now. And I'm going to learn this and in, in, in all of these different things. 
Um, and so I, I started learning that, and, and then I was just like, wow, this is really cool. So I knew Photoshop, really, as a kid. And I was like, well, you know, obviously, I'm a graphic designer now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, but I used to do, like, little side projects, little small things. People would come in, and uh, I'd use it as a, as like, hey, you know, 10 bucks, I'll help you make something. You need help finishing up this this flyer all right I'll, you know like it was just it was for fun and it was just a way to, to sharpen my skills and and you know pass some of the time even uh, but yeah you know so I, I just I, I really just tried to learn everything I could and uh, whatever was around me I think it was it was one of those things like my dad taught me when I was a kid because um, actually it's funny I used to be I wanted to be a lawyer as a kid and um, and because I like debating, I think that's really what it is. I like debating and arguing semantics with people. Um, and my dad once told me, he was like, if you can, if you can read it, you can learn it, you know? Um, hmm. so that was sort of the approach I, I, I started to take. I was like, well, I can, I can read this. I can, you know, find the information for this. So I just started to dig deeper into that rabbit hole of like, what else can I read? What else can I learn? Um, and then it wasn't really until I got into like web design that it, it really blossomed for me. Uh, you know, it was one, it was funny cause like my dad, my mom was working third shift at one point and my dad, uh, when I would get in trouble, he would send me to work with her. He knew I would hate doing that cause I couldn't. What's third take, shift? Oh, like from like 10 till six in the morning or so. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm working, I, you know, he would send me there with her. Uh, for a third shift and he knew I hated that because our house at the time we had a pool and I had a basketball goal in the front yard I had friends and if I went to work with her I would sleep a good portion of the day and I couldn't hang out with my friends especially during the summer um and yeah one day he's you know I got in trouble he sends me there and he's like hey you know if you're smart you'll learn something about some of the other stuff you're doing and and you know, I surfed the internet and I found like a GeoCities website where it allowed me to uh, make my own site so I started playing with that and I got sick of like the basic WYSIWYG and I said, well, do you want to make your own website? Like go to the advanced view. And it was just a blank screen. And I was like, this is cool. <laughs> like this is something I can do something with this. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I, I started picking up HTML books and CSS books and JavaScript. It just, you know, well, actually I started with Java thinking they were the same. Um, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, I, that's that's it. I, I I could spend like another hour just talking about that stuff, but I know we have a lot of other questions. But I think that's interesting. It's an interesting way to kind of have started your investigation into design and into web design specifically, you know, um, and that you that you took it took it. And so we had talked about because you're very extroverted to me. Um, and that, you know, so, and you were, um, you were homeschooled. So you were maybe not as, I mean, clearly you had friends, but they would be at school during the day or something. They weren't at homeschool with you. So right. how, how did you kind of, um, cause sometimes it, there's a stigma about, you know, that kids who are homeschooled are really, you know, not very good socially and you're yeah. terrific socially. So <laughs> Apple really, um, your first job was at Apple, even though you sort of were freelancing, you know, at 14 at Kinko's. Um, but take us through that because that was a really um, formative place for you as a, as a person and as, um, as a designer, I think even. 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Apple was, I started to look at working at the Apple store in particular, like my high school, really. It was my first job. I had, I was 18 actually. Yeah. So um, it was, it was again my first job. I hadn't really been around a lot of people my age, I guess. I mean, I had some friends, I had a few people uh, here and there, but you know, generally I was hanging around like my sister who's seven years older than me. Um, you know, I would hang out like with her and her friends sometimes, or, you know, even uh, with a lot of the community uh, work that my family did. Uh, they did like a, a program. We, we put together a program for her high school during lunchtime. So I'd hang out at her high school even as like, I forget, 14 year old kid, you know? Um, so I didn't really have a lot of experience really working with people either in my age range or even sometimes peers. So that was a little bit tough. Uh, but at the, working at the Apple store was a, a great way for me to, to build some of those skills. Um, because I definitely think there's some truth to the idea of, of socialization with, with homeschool students. Um, I can say from my own end, uh, it, it, I would say it wasn't until maybe recently that, you know, that I really started to feel comfortable with my own skin and maybe that's a common thing. Um, but it took a while for me to get there. And, and I think it took a, a little bit for me to understand how to effectively, uh, communicate with people. Um, just as as friends, you know, a lot of the work I had done, a lot of the the studying I had done, was in a different mindset. It was whether it was, you know, I I knew I wanted to do something in business. You know, I wanted to have some business of my own, so I would read business books, and you know, I knew I wanted to do web design or graphic design, so I read web design and graphic design books, and I can do that. You know, um, for a while there was this uh, place called the Apple Market Center, uh, which was a place that did seminars. It did free seminars and um, you could go in and, and learn all this stuff. So, I mean, that was where I spent a good portion of my week because um, it was right across the, the street from the college my sister was going to, which was the Art Institute of Atlanta. And uh, so I knew I could go to the Apple Market Center, go to the seminar, and I could sneak into the school and people knew me enough that they didn't realize I didn't go to school there. So I could go in and use computer labs um, and do stuff. So I knew how to like, I knew how to work my way into places. Uh, but it was definitely a bit of a shock when I got into Apple and I started working with people and I had to like understand empathy even, you know, understand that side of, of it and, and how to, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was just, a, it was a different experience for me. So um, what was, what was it about empathy that you learned that, um, Maybe did you realize it then that it was about empathy or only as you kind of look back? I think as I look back, um, you know, I, I look at certain things as, you know, again, a kid working in, in this environment where, you know, and, and working at the Apple store then, and I don't know what the process is like now, but I know what it was like then we opened the first store in Atlanta. In fact, it was the sixth store ever. Um, so, you know, it was a very small thing and it was sort of a very elite type of group that you had to be in to even be hired, um, in that. And, you know, I went from being, um, I went from being, uh, uh, you know, this kid to the youngest full-time associate in the store. Like I was the, I was the youngest one. 
Um, and I didn't sometimes know how to handle that. You know, there were, there were times where I was a punk, <laughs> you know, there were times where, you know, I thought it was, I, I, w- I was very much, I guess, maybe selfish at times because I, I was really thinking about it from my, my point of view. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I had to learn how to work with other people. I had to learn how to, how to be uh, part of the team and, and what it meant to be part of a team mm-hmm. and sometimes having to play that role of not being everything to everybody, but just being a part of the team that plays their role. Because, um, because so many of the things that you were doing, web design or um, things in Photoshop or whatever, you were able to kind of be a one house wonder and you were able to do everything. So then coming in, I also really, I believe that retail jobs help us as designers in um, a big way because a lot of what we do is listening and it's customer service. Um, Even though if we're just sitting behind our computer, how do you think that played a role? Oh, I definitely think it played played a big role. Uh, There are things that I learned in my training at Apple uh, that I still keep with me today, uh, whether it's the Apple steps of service. Like that to me is one of the, it's it's such a design thinking type of thing. Um, Now that I like, I understand what design thinking is and, um, and uh, you know, have, have really learned what that meant. But, um, you know, it was, you know, those, those steps of, uh, of, of, you know, just how to, how to deal with people, how to deal with conflict, you know, Um, we had a concept called fearless feedback that to me was, it was, it was a game changer for me because I was always one of those people who, you know, most people don't like, you know, conflict. um, And, and so I don't, I'm not going to say I'm unique in that way. Um. but it really taught me how to to use that conflict in a in a positive manner. How to uh, really look at things from other people's point of view before you make assumptions about what they're doing. Um, so a lot of those just little things that you know maybe sound simple uh, were things that you know in in terms of socialization, things that I had to learn and that things that were major benefits to me uh, as as a person. Um, let alone a, a young kid who was really still trying to learn a lot um, and had high high ambitions for for himself too. Uh, so yeah, I definitely and, and yeah, I think I, I sort of I would even say I don't even I mean retail is great, but I think anything though any you know I hear a lot of people who are designers <coughs> or who went to like design school and say oh well I have a degree in design. But the thing I do now is nothing to do with design. And it's like, actually, sort of it does because the thing I love about design is that the whole point of it is to learn, you know, to learn how other people do what they do. You know what I mean? So like, I've worked as a, a phone salesperson for a, a lawn care company, you know, and like to me, I still looked at that as part of my design education because mm-hmm. now I understand what people who have, who have lawn care needs are looking for and I understand what it takes to, to take care of your lawn. So if I ever had a situation where I have to design something, I have empathy for what those people are going through or, or for how to communicate to them. That helps me in my communication skills uh, and it helps me as a designer. <clears throat> so I sort of look at it as like anything you do is 
I mean, I think I think everything we do is design. Like, you know, whether you're religious or non-religious, they're still designed. You know, whether you consider it intelligent or 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 you know unintelligent design, whether you consider whatever, like design is still something that we hold near and dear to us, um, and it doesn't always have to be you know on a sheet of paper, but it's, right. It's, yeah. But I guess I really like that the because you had people coming in and this was right. early stages of Apple stores where people would have maybe not the iPhone, maybe necessarily, but they would bring their computers and they would say, hey, I'm having a trouble or yeah. I'm right. There would be stuff like that. But then the Apple, you, you also somebody kind of threw you a bone and you didn't realize what it was and you didn't realize probably you were going to be that great at it, but you were terrific at it was the teaching like they would say, hey, can you do this and you're like I've never done it but and I guess you know the the name of the show is in defense of fear and mm -hmm. it's how you can just face fears and even though you're afraid you still keep pushing through and I think you've done that so many times in your life that it it becomes this habit it, can you just talk a little bit about how they someone pushed you into doing the speaking yeah um... <clears throat> Yeah, so that was interesting. I and and I remember um, I was thinking about that recently uh, when we did again when we did the training before the store even opened. We had to do like two weeks of just hardcore training, day in day out, just learning as much as you could about Apple and how to deal with people. Like they took it extremely seriously. Um, and I remember we had this thing where you wrote down uh, a goal that you had and. Um, I remember telling the teacher of that, that two-week session, um, I said to her, I was like, well, you know, honestly, one of my goals is I want to do what you're doing. And I remember she, it was funny because she sort of laughed when I said it, and I remember it upsetting me. Like, it was like, uh -huh. I was like, oh, what, you don't think I can do this, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably not what she meant by it, but, you know, that was sort of how I, I perceived it. Um, but when we had the store and we would do these training sessions and Apple used to have the theaters in them where you could come in and, and sit and take part in these courses and, and, and uh, seminars, um, one of our, our store associates, he was probably our lead presenter at the time. And, uh, yeah, I just went to him one day and I said, Hey Mike, you know, I, I really would love to do this. But I've never done it before and I'm not sure about it. So he gave me, you know, one of the scripts that, uh, that we would use and he was like, yeah, well, you know, study this for a little bit and then uh, maybe we could talk about getting you into part of the rotation. I'll talk to some of the managers, blah, blah, blah. So all the time, you know, I'd spend all this time just reading it and, and studying. Was, was this similar to what you had been going to when you would go to these seminars, like learn whatever was it? So you got to see a lot of different people's teaching um, or, or delivery process. Yeah, somewhat. Um, I guess you could say it was, was similar. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a little different only because, you know, these were drop-in types of classes and workshops. So it might be a 30 minute iMovie workshop. Right. Right. Uh, and people would be in and out and in and out. They didn't necessarily have to sign up or anything like that. It wasn't anything completely structured. They might be waiting at the genius bar for their computer and just sort of hanging out. Um, so it was a little different, but yeah, for the most part, it was the same. Uh, and, and yeah, I spent all this time studying and anytime, uh, I, you know, I think about it, I'm like, okay, no, not yet. Not yet. I'm going to study some more. I'm going to get ready. I'm, I'm going to work on it a little more. 
And then one day he just uh, he he comes out. He's like, "All right, Joe, you want to do this one?" And I was just like, "All right," <laughs> you know. I was like, "Sure, if if you want to throw me up there." And I went and, and did my first one. And I remember like my voice was shaking, and and uh, you know, I don't. We had a podium, so I, I think I think I like used the podium to support myself the entire time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I got through it and at the end of it, everybody's like, man, it was really good. That was really, you know, really great. And yeah, Mike comes up to me and he's like, okay, well you're the iMovie presenter now. And I was just like, oh no, I didn't, I wasn't, that wasn't what I intended to do. Um, and yeah, next thing you know, I was teaching like every single workshop in the class and, <laughs> you know, we had like entire like business workshops where I would have to like learn you know, QuickBooks. So when we could present QuickBooks to our people for like these business days we were doing and, you know, it was, it was interesting. I think it was sort of a precursor to the, what I was doing with AIGA as, as a programming director where it was, you know, there, I, I morphed from just Mac specialists and sales to uh, doing what was being the, what's called the theater coordinator in which I've actually managed all the workshops and classes we did. I did a lot of the one-on-one sessions and then actually worked with our, um, our partners, like the service providers or so forth, to have them come in and do special types of workshops. So it was a really cool way to, to I guess, get myself embedded into the community around Atlanta and the business community. So at all, you also had side projects going on. It wasn't, so one thing is the superpower of yours is that you're a quick learner and that you don't let it take over even if you're fearful about it, right? Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know if I would say I don't let it take over. I think that I just, I, I try to ignore it, you know? Well, I, I try to ignore it slash if it's, if it's really a really tough one, I'll just try and acknowledge it. Um, I think that's sort of what I've, I've, I've realized is, you know, for me, I get by a lot on humor. So I, I enjoy, yeah, I, 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 I like to joke about a lot of things. I try not to take too many things too seriously, which includes myself. Um, so when, you know, I get nervous or anything like that, I, I will usually say it. Like just, I'll, I'll make a joke about it um, just as a way to diffuse my own feelings on it. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, just sort of throwing myself in, you know, that's, you know, I think I learned that in, in just being a kid who liked going to the pool and like dipping my toe in, I never wanted to get in the water, but if I dove right in, I could deal with how cold it was. You know? Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that was sort of the mentality. I think I went into a lot of things with where it was just like, I'm just going to jump in and, and, you know, keep going in, in this direction until something tells me I'm doing it the wrong way and then try something else. Oh, I love the quote you said your dad would tell you is if you can read it, you can learn it. I yeah. love that. That's an awesome go dad quote for sure. But so you're extremely self-motivated. And I think that that's what, um, if you're a designer and you're trying to start a business or you're running a side business or you have a side project that you're doing, you do have to be extremely self-motivated. One, you'd self-motivated to learn, but you were also self-motivated and you started some side businesses. You had some partnerships with people. Can you talk about that a little bit? And do you think that self-motivation is a learned or a natural skill? Ooh. Um, I think it's an acquired skill. Mm. Uh, 
yeah, I think it's an acquired skill. I think, you know, you have to have, I mean, it's easy to not be motivated. Like it's very easy to, you know, want to, for me, like sit at home and play video games sometimes, you know, it's very easy to do those things, but um, it's, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, I, I have to, I have to work on it all the time. Um, even, you know, and I think I'm fortunate in the fact that, you know, I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy design. So I enjoy when things don't go right sometimes mm. because it gives me something to, to, to figure out. Um, and I think that's sort of my mentality is like, I'm a tinker, you know, I like to, I like to mess with things. I like to take things apart, break them down. Um, but as far as my own, just sort of entrepreneurial, uh, exploits i guess would be the word um yeah i again credit to my my father for being someone who always sort of pushed me in the 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 way of you know not waiting for other people to give me an opportunity mm. um you know so that was something that i i always uh kept with me in the sense of i mean even as a little kid i remember uh you know, going to, uh, my dad was part of the uh, NAACP and uh, we went to Indianapolis for one of the conventions and uh, they had a bunch of extra balloons. I was like seven and they had a bunch of extra balloons and I'm like, oh, I could take all these balloons and just keep them for myself or I could go around the hotel and sell balloons to people for a dollar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll keep one for myself. And that was sort of my thing, you know, um, and that was, you know, and I remember even, uh, in Atlanta when the Braves won the World Series, even though as a kid who didn't want to move from Baltimore to Atlanta, I had a hard uh, rule of I would never root for an Atlanta team. That was like my <laughs> form of protest. But, um, you know, when they won the World Series, again, my mom was working at Kinko's and they had, uh, they would, you know, drill holes in the papers, you know, for binding and things like that. They had different color paper. So I actually took a box of the, uh, I took a box of the uh, the the scraps from the the hole punchings, and I took them and I put them in Ziploc bags because they were multicolored. And I went down to the parade and sold it as confetti. <laughs> um, Man, that was clever. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that was you know that was sort of my thing. So I think I've always had a little bit of that that business mentality of like, hey, if I can if I can do it, I can yeah I can probably do well, something. You also saw opportunities. You you were around in enough and you were maybe bored in a way, but you were reading things that right. you would able, you were able to see what was in front of you that was going to be thrown out, like the, the hole punches, right? So you just were ingenious at selling it. So how old were you then? Um, the Braves won the World Series, I want to say 93, 94. So I was like 10 or 11. Um, yeah, I was so, in college. <laughs> um, so yeah, I yeah, so but that was always something I did, and and then um, when I got older uh, and I got into design, it was sort of a matter of um, I was I, I've always sort of been stubborn. Mm. So you know, being a homeschool student, and you know, you'd hear a lot of things that people would say, whether it was about socialization or any of those things. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, I don't have to, I don't have to go the traditional route. I don't have to go to college to do any of this. I can just do it now. 
so I, I just said, hey, I'm going to go ahead. I've been learning. I've been studying. I've been doing these things. Um, so I, you know, had had run a, a couple different things uh, early on, uh, whether it was doing freelance graphic and web design for people, um, doing consulting work or training. Um, in fact, I used to, uh, I guess, be one of the main trainers in Atlanta for like people converting from Cork Express to InDesign because I knew both uh, pretty really well. So I, you know, like taught a big class at like GE it was like 60 people teaching them how to move from, wow. InDesign, from Cork to InDesign and doing those types of things. So I always found ways to, to just use what I knew uh, to, to make a path for myself. Um, well, but you also are, you're really good with people and you're approachable and you're tall, you know, like, I mean, at 10, I'm sure you were super cute and like, Hey, do you want my confetti? <laughs> but like, but you just have a way your, your body language. I think all that really makes a difference so that you are approachable. Like, Hey, I raised my hand. I don't understand what you're saying instead of making somebody feel. And so sometimes when you're in tech, and you're teaching, it can be like, oh my gosh, he thinks I'm so stupid for asking that question, you know? Right. And I never get that from you, ever. Like, you're just really approachable, and you don't ever make somebody feel stupid. I can I can imagine. I mean, you've never made me feel stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I try I try not to. I appreciate that. I hope I don't. <laughs> um, but I think it's, a, it's some people, it's hard to do that, and it... Um, there's a frustration factor. And I don't know if that was just you learning that early from 14, you're dealing, you know, people coming in, but, but you're really good at, at that part. Um, yeah, I think it's funny. I, I think I was always sort of a, a natural teacher. I remember my dad used to get sort of annoyed with me because I like when I got into computers and he would be doing stuff you know, he, he'd say, Joey, I need your help with this thing. I, I don't know how to do this. Can you do this for me? So I get on and I do it, but instead of just telling him like how to do it, I'm like, well, the reason this is happening is because of this. And I had to go through these steps for him. And he's like, I just need to know the answer. I was like, well, you won't understand the answer if I don't give you the context. <laughs> um, so I think that was always one of those things. And I actually got an opportunity to, to, to teach at the uh, Credo Circus in Atlanta, which was a really great experience for me. Um, and getting to sort of hone some of those skills too. But, uh, but yeah, that was, um, I guess, I guess I've had a bit of a knack for teaching. Um, uh, I, I try to be patient. <laughs> um, it comes in handy with a six year old. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I try not to, I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm saying, but I'm a lot. So I'm going to start it out. Okay, so well, let me let me ask you another question. So, um, you're humorous. You're a good, strong leader. Do you think that you've always had leadership skills? Because I mean, you definitely need that in AIGA. Um, I think you 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 asked for it at the Apple Store, and then they gave it to you, and they saw what a good leader you were as a teacher. Um, do you do you think that? Um, oh, now I'm a butt umming. <laughs> but I guess, do you think that? Uh, what kind of things did you do early on to really help you work on your leadership skills? I don't actually, I don't know. I really did you don't read know. any books on leadership or did you just watch? Were you just a really good researcher on people? I, I would say I, I'm, I was a good researcher on people. I think I'm a good judge of character. Hmm. Um, 
And I think that's been one of those things. Uh, I think all, overall, yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know if I was naturally a leader. Maybe I was uh, because, and I only say that because there were times where people would say, oh, you know, I, again, working at the Apple store, uh, you know, where my manager would say, oh, well, we look at you as one of the leaders of the store. And I'm like, I'm 19. You know, like that was my mentality. I was like, I, you know, these guys are older than me. They've been doing stuff more than me. Like, I don't have any capacity to lead anybody. You're like, why would you expect that from me? Uh, but for some reason, like people would always say like, oh, yeah, we expect you to be a leader, you know, or, or put me in those positions. So I, I guess partially I just started to trust myself in it. Uh, partially, I think I just started to trust myself in general. Mm. I think that was really the biggest thing for me was like trusting that I could. Um, because I think that was one of the things that sort of hurt me at times growing up or like I, as I grew, I guess I would say not so much growing up, but as I grew um, was the fact that I was always afraid to step into a leadership role. I wasn't very comfortable with it because I didn't feel like I was supposed to. I mean, I'm the youngest in my family. I'm used to being the youngest in a lot of situations, you know, again, uh, whether it was always hanging out with my sister's friends, I was the youngest one. And if it was uh, working at the Apple store, I was the youngest one there. If it was just hanging out at my sister's school, I was the youngest person there. I was always, I was never, you know, Joe, I was Aisha's little brother. I was, or I was little Joe cause my dad is big Joe, you know? Um, you know, so I was always, I sort of always viewed myself as, you know, not that person to lead. But uh, it was like a number and you were kind of caught up in that number, but really you had a lot, a lot of experience that wasn't number based, right? I mean, uh, age based. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, and I think that was um, the area where I had to, I, I just had to get more comfortable with myself and, and get more comfortable uh, with that. And, and um, yeah, just, just, just being comfortable in my own skin. I really think that's what it was. And then I think also learning that there weren't, there wasn't just one leadership style. Um, I don't necessarily think I'm the type of person that's going to be like, you know, jumping up and down, like you go here and you do like dragging people. I'm, I, I feel like I'm more of the lead from behind type of person. Like I want you to take the leadership of it, but I'm going to guide I might be right. there to push you and, and help you move through it, but I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to be the person that is in the forefront, you know, getting all of the, the recognition for it. I will, I like, I like being the person in the background, you know, who can be the guy behind the curtain and uh, pulling some strings. Maybe I, I guess that would, that would be, so I guess leading from behind, I always looked at it as like, I had to be this vocal upfront standing up in front of everybody rah-rah type person and that's really not who i am i mean i get excited i've learned the like i've learned the value of what those things bring and i've learned how to utilize them at times but it wasn't the natural it wasn't my natural uh response uh so you know and, and i think when it came to the real realization that I didn't have to do that. And I think part of that honestly has been being part of AIGA. I mean, I've, I've, I've been on the board with some really amazing leaders, you know, whether it was, uh, 
uh, Jen Jericho, who used to be one of our co uh, co presidents, or Stacy Fatika, who was our former co president, who they had both different styles, but the, the way they would handle people, or even like Vanessa Ulrich now, who's our current president, and and uh, I'll be stepping in for her in June. Uh, you know, just seeing how they all led, and you know mm-hmm. how they handle things and it was to me it was really inspiring to say okay well I don't have to be that person I don't I don't have to be immediately seen as the leader to be the leader and I and I realized I don't really care to be (laughs) you know I I just yeah and you and you don't also have to lead the same way the person before you led to be the leader there are there are things that you have to do but you can lead in your own way so dan has a great question dan always gives me great questions he asks and it kind of goes i think back to when we were talking about empathy and other people mm-hmm. what's your source of inspiration for having so much respect for people do you think you have respect for people i think you do um <laughs> Do you just, did you just, were you just raised right? And they told <laughs> you everybody counts and, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, do, I remember um, being in school and, and them sort of saying that, like, you know, no one's any better than anyone else. Um, yeah, so I always sort of took that to heart. Um, and then I think another, another thing that, that, you know, one of my biggest inspirations actually was, was Steve Jobs, uh, surprisingly. <laughs> um, but Steve Jobs, he was one of those people that I really admired the way he was really, in, in a lot of ways, self-made. You know, really uh, had to go through a lot of struggles to get to where he was and, and all of those things. And I remember he even said, very similar to what my dad said, of, of if you can read it, you can learn it. But he was, you know, said, hey, all of these people who have done all these amazing things, you know, they they learned it from somewhere. They learned it from, you know, reading, they learned it from going to these things. So I don't know, I guess I always just sort of take it in, in the, the sense of, you know, I, I'm no more, I'm, I'm no more qualified than anybody else. You know, I just have, I, I just like reading about it. You know, I just like learning about it. I like immersing myself in it. And, and, um, you know, I like sharing. I like, I like being one of those people who can bring people along. I don't want to necessarily, sit on top of a heap and look down on people. I want everybody to be able to, to look me in the eye. And, and, you know, if I'm not helping people stand next to me by trying to stand on them, then it's not worth it to me. So, well, and that's how you said about leadership, you know, you're really leading from behind, you're helping other people really find their step and find what they're really good at. And then you're really happy when they get praised, you know, it doesn't have to always be a praise for you. So I want to get to a couple other things because we have like 15 minutes left. Um, so how has facing your fears made you stronger and what have you faced in the last few years that has forced you to push through fears? Um, so facing my fears has been one of those things that it, it, it was a newer thing for me. Um, I would say within the last six years or so, um, I think part of it came from the the moment that I, I became comfortable again with myself. Uh, and I, and I, it's funny, I actually remember it very vividly, like the moment in which I, I went from being a very 
uh, self-conscious person, which at times I still am. I get very anxious in certain situations. Uh, but I became just more comfortable with how I did things and, and, and where I've been. And I remember it was actually um, my twenty my twenty seventh birthday. Actually, I was moving. I was just meeting with a partner of uh, my company, Rogue Squirrel. We were meeting with some uh, some vendors, and we were uh, me and one of my partners were like, "Oh, let's go see one of our buddies." Uh, and it was sort of late. It was like eleven thirty, and we're driving. And I, we're driving in separate cars. I'm watching the clock go from eleven to midnight. And it moved over into my birthday, and I started just sort of thinking while I'm driving, and I'm like, "Well, I'm turning 27 now," and you know, started thinking about the things I'd done. Like, hey, I had the opportunity. Never thought I'd work at Apple. I worked at Apple. You know, never thought I'd have an opportunity to uh, uh, teach in a school. You know, I did it. You know, like I never thought I would have certain opportunities to get to certain things, but just sort of throwing myself out there was what helped me get there uh, and, and not necessarily only going toward the things that made me comfortable. Those weren't the things that helped me. Those were, they, they weren't always the things that helped me. It was always those moments where, you know, my stomach was turning, you know, and I was, I it was it, the, the moments I had the most fun were the moments in which, you know, I knew that like during this presentation at the Apple store, was I was so nervous. I'm hearing my voice crack and I'm shaking and I'm, you know, but it was all, those are always the most, the most rewarding experiences for me. Uh, and, and I, you know, I remember sort of thinking about those things and sort of saying to myself, like, there's nothing that anybody can say to me that will make me doubt who I am. You know, there's nothing that anyone can ever say to me at this point. So I just, I, and I remember saying to myself, like, from this point on, I want to focus on like, I want to focus on getting better and that's, you know, in, in so commonly I will use the f refrain of being better today than I was yesterday. Mm. Um, so, and I, and I think it was at that point, you know, that I really started to focus on being better, not just being comfortable with myself, but being better. And that came from doing things that made me nervous. Um, in particular, uh, like I said, being that stubborn person where I thought that, okay, well, I've been, I've been reading all this stuff on design and I've been hanging around with designers and I've been doing this. I don't need to go to school for it. Uh, but part of the reason I was always sort of against it too was because I was honestly just afraid that I that I would get there and I'd be terrible. <laughs> like people would be like, yeah, you're actually not a good designer, man. You're, you're pretty terrible. <laughs> um, you know, so you know, that was one thing for me is, and, you know, so I actually, yeah, I made that, took that step uh, in, in getting my degree, um, actually just a few years ago, in fact, uh, and, and, you know, it was partially for myself, partially because, you know, I wanted, uh, I thought it'd be just great for my daughter to, to see and, and be part of. Uh, so I, I did that. Um, and that was, again, one of those, those big fears. Uh, but that was really a big growing experience for me as well, because, uh, I remember going in and, and maybe the first year or so just sort of floating, you know, just, I knew, I knew what I needed to do to get an A, for instance. I knew that if I passed in this work this way, you'll give me an A and I know I'll keep my grades up. And there was this point where I was just like, but this isn't what I came to do. I came to get better as a designer. I came to really understand these things and understand uh, who I am as a designer. Um, mm. and, and that was, you know, 
you know, so I actually went in, I think it was my, my second year or so where I, I went in and I told one of my teachers, I was like, my goal is to fail. Like I am going to try and fail. And I didn't mean it like I'm not going to do my work and I'm just going to screw around. <laughs> all but I meant like, I'm going to just throw paint at the wall. I'm going to try different things, do things that don't come naturally to me or make me uneasy. This, it was the safety. You were kind of throwing right. safety out because that wasn't what was pushing you as a de designer. Right. Right. So yeah. And, and um, yeah, so I, I just, I started pushing myself toward those things um, and I, I remember there was one project that we had to do. We had to design an album cover and the teacher told us we couldn't use any assets right. that weren't our own. Um, and I, I went back to her and I was like, well, I have this idea. I have a really specific idea, but I'm not that good of a drawer. I don't really draw that well. So can I just, can I just, uh, you know, find a picture and then use that as a representation? She's like, no. And she just, and I kept trying to, you know, sort of talk my way out of it. And, uh, you know, again, being the, the person who likes to debate and, and, and argue things, I, I kept trying and she kept going, no, no, just just try it. And so finally, I just went and tried it. I started sketching. I started drawing different things. And the more I did it, I was like, you know, I, I realized like this actually came out nicely. Like maybe it's not the most technically sound drawing, you know. Uh, but I, I think I also, uh, like, I love watching cartoons and I would see, you know, whether you look at shows like Family Guy, you look at certain shows, I'm like, you know, Peter Griffin is just a few circles. <laughs> like, he's just a few circles and some rectangles. It's just the character, the, the style that, you know, the, the animator is that, or, you know, the creator, Seth MacFarlane, gives to it that makes it unique. Um, it's nothing that's super special. So then I realized, like, well, I don't have to be perfect for it i can just I, I just need to be myself i just need to put myself into it um and i started to really understand that you know those types of things were helping me so i, I just went into it, it with this mentality of i'm going to throw paint at the wall i'm gonna try things that don't make me feel particularly easy even if that comes down to you know the, the somewhat confusion that comes with, you know, my name now of, you know, you see Anthony Brown, but then it's Joe and then it's Joe Carter and then it's Joe <laughs> Carter Brown and it's Joseph Anthony Carter Brown. Um, you know, but that was again, a very uncomfortable situation for me just because of uh, just, you know, my personal matters of, of, you know, how I ended up having a hyphenated name and, you know, I always went by Joe Carter as a kid and, and that was how I grew up. And when people would say brown, I'd feel like, oh, wait, whoa, no, no, no. You know, but then I was like, well, why does it make me so uncomfortable? Let me explore that. So that's when I started using Anthony Brown because I was just like, all right, I'm going to throw myself into it and see what happens. Um, and, and yeah, and it was like every time I went into something like that and I expected that I was going to fall flat on my face, I usually came out better because of it. Mm -hmm. And I usually did something that I didn't realize I could do because mm -hmm. of it. Uh, so yeah, it just, it became an, a, a standard exercise for me of like, how can I make myself more uncomfortable? Where can I put myself that is not going to, that makes me nervous because underneath that, there's probably something that uh, I don't realize about myself in that.
And we don't have time. We'll have to do it as a part two. But that's how design has been like therapy for you, right? You have a whole thing. We talked about this and it was really interesting. So we'll have to have you back on for our part two that has to do with that because it's really good. <laughs> it's like a clincher, like part two. But um, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to find you. And I, I think that you've really gotten a lot and you haven't I mean I'm sure everything you've done hasn't always been when you've taken a risk it hasn't always been great but you were okay with it not being great right yeah no um I think uh there have definitely been a number of times where yeah it, it doesn't always come out great but I've I've been okay with that um, or I've, I've tried to use it as a, as a learning experience. So, I mean, whether that's, you know, that's something as simple as just getting used to sketching. Again, I used to be very, uh, afraid to do that. I thought like people are going to laugh if they see my sketches. I'm not that good. You know, they're going to call me a four year old, you know, like, uh, you know, but that, Throwing myself into that and like making it a point to do more sketching was something where, you know, there were times where I'd look at stuff and go, this is terrible. This is never going to be good. And then after a while, it was like, oh, wait, this is getting better. This is looking better. Or even if I look at like these crappy sketches that I had versus like the design. Oh no! My design, my design, and it and it helped me uh, get better. Up, oh, did we cut off? We did yeah. a little, but we're okay. we're okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's back. We kind of missed the bat last bit of that. You want to try to repeat it? Um, yeah, it it was uh yeah it was it was just a matter of 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 throwing myself into it. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I guess really to say it, 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 not everything has worked out as well. There have definitely been learning experiences. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the scientific process. Mm -hmm. I, I grow my daughter on it all the time. I'm like, Hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta have that hypothesis. It might be wrong. You gotta test it. If it's wrong, you go back to the drawing board and you try again. Like that's the only thing you can do. Um, and, and, uh, so, you know, I think, uh, that's just sort of how I, how I've, I've approached it at this point. All right. So I want to make sure everybody knows how they can get Yes. Get follow you. Get in touch with you. Um, on Twitter, you're at a brown creates with an S. A B R O W N C R E A T E S. And I'm gonna put it over there in the chat, and it'll also be under in the show notes as well. And then you can find Joe at anthonybrowncreates.com, and then you can find him on Behance and at on LinkedIn and LinkedIn. Uh, at Behance, you're AB Creates, and then yep. on LinkedIn, or uh, yeah, and then LinkedIn, you're Joseph Carter Brown. So, just wanted every yeah, everything's over, man. over there in the in the chat. Well, um, I we didn't get to talk about AIGA really, <laughs> but I know it's been a huge uh, impact on you, and um, as a designer and as a community. Um, in a lot of ways, do you want to, we have like a minute and a half. So yeah. do you want to try to give somebody a reason why, um, how AIGA has impacted you? Yeah. Um, so AIGA has helped me in this sense that a, it's given me a community to be a part of, uh, to sort of nerd out with. <laughs> I like, I like talking design. 
Um, again, that's why, like you said, it's, it's design is my therapy, you know, sitting there and being able to chat about it, chat about the things that, um, that, that, you know, frustrate me and so forth. Uh, but AIGA, the thing I've really learned about it and I've come to realize with it is it's a great platform. Um, you know, I, I really, as part of who I am, you know, again, I've grown up in a family in which we were very service oriented, had community service organizations and so forth. So everything I've ever done, I, you know, even partners that I've had, I said, hey, at some point I've got to do something that I help people. I have to be able mm-hmm. to help people. You know, I don't want to just make things that I sell to people. I want to help people feel better or do better, whatever it may be. And being part of AIGA and just seeing how tight knit the community is, uh, and how much like the national organization believes in all of its chapters and what, you know, even what I feel are like very closely held beliefs of my own, they believe in it's, it's great to have that platform where I now can, you know, where we've gone into Baltimore and we've gotten involved with different community organizations to help them do things like rebrand or revitalize their community and trying, trying to really impact things in the way we know how with design, but, um, you know, make a, make a difference from that. And, and having that support from AIGA national where, you know, you have 72,000, is it 72? No, 26,000 designers and 72 chapters. That's what it is. Um, you know, it's, yeah. And I mean, like Amy said, it's changed my life. It really made me, uh, it helped me, put those things into motion and uh, we, you know, we have some great things happening uh, now with the Baltimore chapter and, and so on and so forth, but that's more than my minute and a half. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> so I just want to let everybody know next week I have Victor Davia on and oh. um, he is amazing. Another AIGA person, but another creative South person. And um, he's another design professor, but he's also, it's amazing illustrator and we're going to talk about his professional work and then kind of the other side of the coin of how um, having students influences what you do as well. And just kind of dig in to what Victor has to say. He's got a ton of energy and he's really fun. He's also doing a workshop with Lenny at Creative South this year. So I'm real excited to have um, him on. And so if you want to get in touch with me, maybe you have an idea for a show or you have somebody you'd like me to interview, you can always email me at diane at rechargingyou.com. You can find other episodes at uh, rechargingyou.com. Did I say recharge? Diane at rechargingyou.com. I don't know what I said. Anyway, <laughs> and then um, you can always follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Facebook or Instagram at design recharge, all one word. So Um, Joe, thank you so much. I was so glad to be able to uh, have you on for this special day for 200. I just thank you so much for your support of coming and always being in the chat and asking good questions and and making a commitment and just helping me uh, build a community and just being my friend. And I'm glad we met online and then we met in person and now we're back uh, Skyping sort of. And so I'm just thankful for your friendship and I'm thankful for that you spent today my 200 with me and I look forward to 400 episode 400 with you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, I hope, uh, hope everybody in viewing is enjoyed it. I hope I, I did you justice for the 200th show. Um, and yeah, thank you. All right, Joe, we'll have a great flight back and next time you'll have to say Hey to Fabio. Yeah, seriously. I didn't realize <laughs> Fabio was in Miami. I know.
<laughs> All right. Well, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye.